Time with your host, Coach Danielle McCartan. You can follow her work on Twitter at Coach McCartan. That's at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Good afternoon. This is 60 Minute Overtime Fall 2016, Episode 6. Today is November 13th, 2016. I'm your host, Danielle McCartan. We're going to have a total NFL takeover today. So I'm taking your questions on uh, Facebook Live, on Periscope Live, live on the radio. Um, if you want to get involved, the phone number is 201-825-1234. All right, so uh, you can find my work. Just quick shout-outs, prosportsrundown.com. Periscope at Coach McCartan, Twitter at Coach McCartan, that's M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan, YouTube, search in the search bar, you're going to put in Coach Space McCartan, SoundCloud.com slash Coach McCartan, and my iTunes official podcast, Coach Space M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. We have some late-breaking news in the across the NFL. Breaking overnight, Bryce Petty will start. For the New York Football Jets. Okay, more on that in a minute. Uh, lots of backlash on Twitter. People are happy. People are upset. Uh, inevitably. Okay, so we'll, we'll dissect that in a minute. Uh, next is that Tony Romo will, although he's ready to go, he will accept a backup role to Dak Prescott moving forward. That's big. Tony Romo will be on his way out, or if, if he's not already. Uh, looking for other options. The big rumor is that he'll be a Jet, and I've said it on here before. Tony Romo will probably be a Jet in 2017. So we are not out of this just yet. Jets faithful. Uh, uh, just an, another update that's something that I have been working on for a very long time here. Uh, my website, prosportsrundown.com. I delved, you know, two weeks ago I had on uh, Tom Barton, from Fox Sports Las Vegas, and we talked a little bit uh, about the Raiders' move, and, and obviously the Oakland Raiders are gearing up for a move to Las Vegas. So we, we looked at that, and then I felt more inspired. So I, I did take a closer look into the Raiders' move. Um, I solicited commentary from two Las Vegas natives and my new friends, and Tom Barton from Fox Sports, 1340 AM Las Vegas. Obviously, I integrated him into that. I did research, like real tough research, on eight different categories, including funding for the stadium, fan base, game day attendance, comparing Oakland's facility to Las Vegas's, player distractions, alternatives, sports gambling, and future plans. So uh, that took a long time to, to, to put out. So if you just you know take a look at it, you don't have to read the whole thing. It's kind of long, but it's very well researched. I put a lot of time into it. So it's prosportsrundown.com. It'll be the first thing that comes up, the first article that does come up. It's a big picture of Welcome to Las Vegas with a Raider Stadium. Okay, so today's guests we will have on at 1120. His name is Will Reeve Jr. He's from the Rams Wire of the USA Today Sports Media Group, and he's the host of the All Weather Fan Podcast. He's going to give us the Rams perspective for today's game. I, of course, will have the Jets perspective. Now, I always start the show with my lock of the week. I am still in the second chance pool CBS Sports Pro Knockout Pool, Pro Football Knockout Pool. So my lock of the week this week is going to be the Cardinals at home over the 49ers. 49ers have won one game this season, although the Cardinals have only won three. I just think it's going to be an overmatch. Um, 
in, in Phoenix down there, in Glendale, to be honest with you. And uh, the Cardinals are going to dominate the 49ers. That'll be at 425 today. The point spread is ridiculous. See, I don't look at the point spread first. I make my pick, and then I check it against the point spread. And the point spread is, I think last I checked, it was uh, the Cardinals were 13.5-point favorites over the 49ers. So I think that was an easy pick this week. I think it was the biggest point spread of the week and definitely the largest I've seen so far this season. Hopefully the 49ers don't pull some magic <laughs> in the desert. Uh, and uh, I should be rolling until, until next week. So today's current event, we want to talk about the absolutely abominable, poor NFL officiating. These refs need to be better. They're professionals. They need to be better. Now, the latest comes, uh, why this is relevant again, yet again, is that it uh, comes off the, I think it was a Monday night football game or Sunday night football between the Bills and the Seahawks. Oh, it was Monday. So the latest during uh, the Bills and Seahawks game this past Monday night, the refs missed an obvious. And when I say obvious, I mean everybody watching this game saw it. Unnecessary roughness call on Richard Sherman after he plowed into Dan Carpenter, Buffalo's kicker. Now, the situation was this wasn't just a regular old, you know, roughing the kicker penalty. It was, there was a 53-yard field goal attempt with uh, with three seconds left in the half, first half, I believe. Uh, there appeared to be a run-in. Then the trainers ran onto the field to, to attend to, to Carpenter. And because of this, NFL rules, he had to sit out one play. So that means the Bills were left without a kicker on a field goal attempt. So they had a run to the line of scrimmage, spiked the ball. They had one second left. Then Carpenter, and then that, and that was the play he had to sit out. Then Carpenter comes back in, attempts the, the field goal, in essence, from the same distance. There was the, an offsides call, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So it, in essence, it was from the same distance, and he missed it. After all that, he missed it. And if you look at the replay, it's, like, so obvious. It's so obvious that there should have been a call on that play. And that comes off... I believe it was two weeks before the, the Falcons game that I lost on. In in the last or second to last play in regulation, Richard Sherman clearly had a pass interference call against Julio Jones. And they didn't call it. So the uh the officials have been reprimanded. Uh, that and that particular um contingency of of referees was not asked to come back for the next week of football action. They said it wasn't uh, punitive. Of course it was. But they've been reprimanded for taking the fun out of the game this whole entire season after players get penalties and hefty fines for taunting calls or unsportsmanlike conduct for simply just celebrating a touchdown or a big play. Why is that not allowed anymore? For example, Eric Decker, New York Jets wide receiver, obviously fined $9,115 for pointing and spinning the ball in the Bills' direction after a catch downfield. Anybody that watches the Jets knows that that's, a, that's, that's what he does. He does that on big plays. Always has. Now Josh Norman got a penalty and a $10,000 fine for pretending to shoot a bow and arrow after his first interception of the season. Well, he's on the Redskins. You get it? Travis Kelsey. Uh, I think last week or the week before, fined, listen to this, $24,309 for throwing his towel in the direction of the referee. 
The Chiefs were in the red zone fourth quarter, and he was upset with the no-call pass interference. Now, I don't know about you, but I grew up watching football emanating... How do I say this? I grew up watching football when touchdown dances were a thing. I mean, Terrell Owens was signing footballs, the touchdown football in the end zone, and then giving it to a fan. He pulled a Sharpie out of his, his pants. And the Dirty Bird. Come on. Out of the Falcons fan base. The Dirty Bird. Who practiced that? Everybody practiced the Dirty Bird. <laughs> that was a dance. I forget his name. I think his last name was Anderson. He was, a, he was the running back for the Falcons. But he did this dance. I'm trying to do it here. If you watch it on live. Um, he did this dance with his arm and he called it the Dirty Bird. Because he's a Falcons player. That goes right in line with Josh Norman shooting the bow and arrow. He's a Redskins player. I think it's ridiculous. Rex Ryan agrees with me. He said, the quote is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous, Rex Ryan. Good old Rex. And then there's another quote from Drew Brees. Drew Brees, who keeps quiet on a lot of different things, says, quote, I know the players don't have any faith in the way that things are being conducted in the front office in the NFL, certainly when it comes to any type of investigation, when it comes to any type of commissioner discipline. So, how, how do we fix this? Everybody understands it's a problem. But how do we fix it? Well, maybe the first step in the right direction would be making full-time officials. A lot of these guys are part-time. I don't know if anybody, a lot of, that's very well known. A lot of these guys are part-time officials. So if you make them a full-time official, they'll be around the game more. They'll get a better understanding They'll be more dedicated to doing their job. But Roger Goodell does not think that full-time officials would change anything. He says, as you can see, there are officiating mistakes in other leagues and they're full-time officials. I don't think that it's going to eliminate the human element. What we want to do is get the best people on the field to officiate the game to the highest levels. Our officials work incredibly hard. And the reality is that they do a great job. But they're going to miss calls. So what we try to do is have the replay available to try and address those issues. Now, my question to you, Roger Goodell, if, you know, eliminating the human element is a cause for concern for you, why did you instill replay? Hmm? Because if it's supposed to just be run by people and humans and the human element of the game, there would be no need for instant replay. Am I right? Because having an instant replay, 100% takes takes the human element out of the game. 100%. It 100% takes the human element out of the game. Whether a touchdown call was confirmed or missed on the field, based on Roger Goodell's logic, should be up to the officials on the field as they see it. And this is just another blip in the string of... You know, uh, the string of ineptitude from Commissioner Roger Goodell. We're seeing a little, we're seeing a mutiny here, and it's, you know, when there's more regulation, more regulation, you know what that leads to. We can talk about government, same thing. So that's my take on, on the awful officiating, and my solution, first step, would be to make full-time officials, to get full-time officials. Because you know what? 
Otherwise, we're just going to perpetuate this. And, and football is not going to be fun anymore. As it, as it isn't just yet. This is Brandon Marshall, wide receiver of the New York Jets, and you're listening to the 60-minute overtime on WRPR. Now, the 3-6 uh, and six Jets will meet the 3-5 and five Rams today at 1 p.m. on Fox at MetLife Stadium. Now, just a quick look into the preview of this game. The Rams have lost four straight, but they've beaten the Cardinals and the Seahawks, and the Jets have lost to both. Now, when I look at these two teams, the, the Jets are the East Coast version of the Rams. Similarly, the Rams are the West Coast version of the Jets. And I'm going to give you three reasons. Number one, well, now that Fitzpatrick is out, but number one, Ryan Fitzpatrick and Case Keenum, who's the quarterback of the Rams, were teammates together in Houston in 2014. Number two, Fitz leads the NFL in interceptions. Keenum is second. Both fan bases want them replaced with younger quarterbacks. Petty for the Jets, who is getting the start today. And the Rams fans want first-round draft pick Jared Goff. Now, in terms of quarterbacks, the uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick and Bryce Petty have been splitting the first-team reps at, at all, all week at practice. Fitz sprained his MCL last week. He, he came out only for one series, but he, he is going to be out. Ryan Fitzpatrick will be out of today's game. Now, it's going to be based on warm-ups uh, if, he, if he's good to go even as a backup today. So, New York Jets fans, it's Bryce Petty time. You know, number two is not my goal. I know. Uh, it's always, a, it's always know. a start. So, you know, for me, again, it's all about just coming in there and, and proving uh, to myself to everybody else that I can play in this league and be a um, damn good one, too. So, you know, that's what I want to do. And um, it, it, as far as the number one spot, number two spot, you know, to me, it's just it's a process. And every day is trying to be a better quarterback. And every day he's going to be trying to be a better quarterback. And guess what? That was my interview with Bryce Petty. I played it last week. I played it every week if I have to. Bryce Petty, that was in May. That was myself and Bryce Petty in May at a golf event. Now, number one, number two, he's uh, he's got what it takes. He's got what it takes. It's Bryce Petty time, New York Jets. And here's some stats. Let me throw at you real quick. Obviously, this season, Petty has only played in one series, which was last week. Okay, but he was two for two with 19 yards, 100% completion percentage, and he wasn't throwing the short passes because his average completion was 9.5 yards, 15 being the longest, and a quarterback rating of 106.3. He had a solid preseason, which earned him a roster spot on a roster that carried four quarterbacks. Fitz is, Fitz is hurt. Geno's out for the season. It's Bryce Petty's turn. He is the next man up. And then followed by a first-round draft pick, Christian Hackenberg. It's Fitz, it's, you know, and Fitzpatrick signs a $12 million deal in the offseason. So he's a $12 million backup at this point in time. Um, it, apparently it's because he's hurt. It was not a coach's decision. It's because Fitz is hurt. But it's time for Bryce Betty to show what he's got. And I'll be honest with you, this is the best week to do it. I mean, the Rams aren't. You know, they're equal to the Jets. The Rams aren't the Vikings' defense. They're not going to overpower him. He's grown tremendously since his rookie year. 
Someone just said Petty for the win on Facebook Live. Yeah, Petty for the win. The Jets are going to win today. And in a minute, we're going to get to uh, to uh, Will Reeve Jr. from Ramswire. We'll talk to him in a minute about keys to the game. But here are my Jets keys to the game. And right after that, we'll, we'll hear from Will. But number one, the Jets have to limit the penalties and turnovers uh, this, this game today because they've had 19 total turnovers this entire season. Now, Fitzpatrick has 13 interceptions in nine games. Petty can't be worse than that. Fitz is the worst in the NFL in, inter- in, in interceptions. So Petty cannot be worse than that. The Jets have a minus 10 turnover differential as well, and the lack of discipline is showing through, especially last week versus Miami when they started with the game with two personal fouls. They're undisciplined, and, and that play cannot happen this week. Not to mention made man Muhammad Wilkerson and his buddy and his sidekick, Robin, Sheldon Richardson skipped out on meetings, one of which was the, the Ravens' walkthrough. Wilkerson celebrated his 27th birthday too hard. He actually even, the Jets had a cake for him at the facility, and he didn't even show up. No, I'm not talking like a funfetti cake. I'm talking like a cake boss style cake. And he didn't even show up. So there's, there's a dynamic in this locker room that, that, Unless you're in it, I guess. You, you can't begin to understand. And it, apparently it has not been... And they were benched. Wilkerson and Richardson were benched the first quarter of the game last week in Miami. And apparently there have been conversations between Bowles and Wilkerson about discipline. I mean, you're making hundreds of million dollars a year and you can't show up to a meeting? Come on, just bench him the rest of the season. Get rid of him. Trade him. They tried to trade Richardson to the, to the Cowboys. That's something to watch in the offseason. I think Richardson for Romo and a draft pick. That's what I'm saying. Write it down. Uh, the second key to the, j- the game for the New York Jets, it's a good opportunity for the secondary to get back on their feet. The Rams receiving offense is ranked at the bottom three in the league. Revis is going to have a field day today, no doubt. They're averaging The Rams are averaging 250 yards per game from Case Keenum. He's thrown only two touchdowns and five interceptions in the last two weeks. If the Jets can shut down Rutgers product, Kenny Britt, who is emerging as their number one receiver, he's caught three out of Keenum's nine touchdown passes this entire season, one third, 33%. If the Jets can shut down Kenny Britt, Revis, when I say Jets, I mean Revis, if Revis can shut down Kenny Britt, this would be a cakewalk. And number three, they have to keep the running back, his last name is Gurley, they have to keep Gurley quiet, the Jets. Keep all of the linemen close on the line to contain Gurley. You got you need a good push from the front four. We're talking Wilkerson, Richardson, McClendon, and Williams. They need to have a big game. They need to contain the running game like they normally do. The Jets have a very good run defense. They've held all starting running backs they've faced this season to an average of 3.2 yards per carry. Gurley is only averaging 3.1 yards per carry, and he only has three touchdowns this season. Last year, he had a stellar rookie season and averaged 4.8 yards per carry with 10 touchdowns. So there's something going on down there, too. And my last note, I forgot to mention, for uh, those of you guys that play fantasy football, Greg Larner, he's not on today, but he'll be back next week, I'm sure. But if you have a fantasy football team, and if you have not done so already, I would, if I were you, pick up Robbie Anderson from the Jets. He's a wide receiver. I'm going to tell you why. He is one of Bryce Petty's, if not number one, favorite target. 
Okay, in the limited time that they've had together in the preseason, Petty hit him in the preseason for a 50-yard gain. Right over the top. He put it right where it needed to be, in the breadbasket. And then two touchdowns of 42 yards and 44 yards. I believe those were in the same game against the Redskins defense. So if you have not yet already fantasy players, I would pick up Robbie Anderson. He is one of Petty's favorite, favorite targets. And he's going to have a big game today. You heard it here first. He's going to have a big game. And there's a lot of people, I tweeted it this morning. I don't know, there's a lot of people copying my tweets. I don't know if they came to it on their own devices, but I said it this morning around, I don't know, 8.30, that Petty is going to have a huge game today. Okay, so I just received a Twitter message from Will Reeve Jr. Um, It's not good news. He said 11 minutes ago that his wife... And him mm, got into an accident this morning. Uh, They're dealing with the police report. Everything seems to be fine. He he apologizes for the inconvenience. All right, he's not going to be able to call in today, Uh, which is okay. I just hope everybody's okay. It's really great. Okay, so let let me hear from you guys. What do you think? What do you think about the Jets quarterback controversy? Is there a controversy? How is Petty going to perform today? What happens if he gets hurt? Does Hackenberg come in? I don't know. Got something to say? Call the studio. 201-825-1234. I'm waiting for Chris from Mawa to call in. I think he's called in twice so far. He likes to talk about the Jets. Chris, Chris from Mawa, if you're listening right now, I'd love to hear your take on, on Petty. And on uh, and on the Jets' chances today. Now I'm always prepared, so I do have a couple Rams keys to the game. Not as in depth as the Jets, because I was hoping that Will Reeve was going to be doing that. But um, under defensive coordinator Greg Williams, the Rams' defense is solid. They have a solid defense. Yeah, yes, Greg Williams is the guy from the Saints, the bounty guy. James Brown again on Facebook. Petty's going to rock it. Why do you say that? The Rams' defense, like I just was saying, is pretty solid. They're ninth in the league in, in passing yards allowed per game. And they're 11th in the league in rushing yards per game. And, you know, the pass rush is going to be – their pass rush, the Rams' pass rush is one of the best in the NFL. And the Jets – I haven't checked the injury report just yet today, but the Jets are most likely going to be out without center Nick Mangle. Which, with a young quarterback in Bryce Petty, is going to be trouble. So the Jets' offensive line is going to hold the key to this game today. Because by giving Petty time to take some looks downfield, he's going to be able to hit the deep ball. He's going to be able to find Anderson, Marshall, and all those guys. So, you know, they have the the Jets' offense has their their. There's stuff cut out for them today. Uh, the, the problem with the Rams is the Rams' offense. They haven't been able to get anything going. Keenum has been subpar. So the Jets' defense will win the game for, for the Jets today. Let me think of a score. Let's see. Hmm. I've been pretty close, pretty much, by the way. I've been pretty close. I think the Jets are going to win this game 
by the score of 24-14. Lock it in. Lock that one in. Jets are going to win 24-14. There it is. That's my Jets-Rams. Oh, someone just said 17-13 on Periscope. 17-13, who wins? He didn't say who. You think it's going to be a defensive struggle today? I don't think so. Rams. Rams win? Oh, you must be from California. Rams are not going to win this game today. How? Behind Case Keenum? Is Jared Goff going to make an appearance today? Indiana. All right, so you're quite neutral. (laughs) We will see. We will see. Jonathan Hankins from the New York Giants. You're listening to 60 Minutes Overtime on 90.3 FM. Now the Giants. Before we get into the Giants' keys to the game against the Bengals on Monday Night Football, they're going to honor three inductees at halftime on Monday night. The Giants' ring of honor is the highest honor for anybody that has been affiliated with the New York Giants. Number one inductee this year is Ernie Acarsi. Number two is Justin Tuck. And number three is Tom Coughlin. I was able to interview Chris Snee, two-time Super Bowl winning giant, four-time All-Star. Well, football, they're called pro bowlers. But it's uh, it's interesting. I, I, I talked to him at length about the the Ring of Honor inductions and the Super Bowls, and, and you'll see in a minute. But he is Tom Coughlin's son-in-law. So he played for his father-in-law on the Giants in the two Super Bowl teams on the Giants. So um, here's me, Daniel McCartan, with Chris Snee. So I'm Daniel McCartan with Chris Snee. He's uh, with the Giants for 10 seasons. He's a two-time Super Bowl winner and a four-time Pro Bowler. Uh, so we're here at the Yogi Berra. You just had a great panel discussion on, on sports and culture and things like that. But I want to go back to the Super Bowl team, Super Bowl 42, 46, um, both against the Patriots. Second time, handing them one giant loss. That has to be some sort of fulfilling for you, right? I'd be lying if I didn't say it was extra special. I mean, listen, winning the Super Bowl is the pinnacle. I mean, that's what we train hard for. That's what everyone dreams of. I dreamt of that as a little kid. Um, but, yes, to, to also include the fact that we, you know, prevented a team from going 19-0. and uh, Yeah, that, that is extra special. That's awesome. So, you guys, you are part of – the Giants have only won four Super Bowls in, in history. You were part of two of them. What makes those teams in, in that era so special? You know, I think we just had a great group of guys, a group of guys that worked hard. You know, I know this sounds very generic, but they worked hard. They loved the game. You know, we all had tremendous passion when we showed up to work. Um, and I really, I think that means a lot. You know, I, th- I think everyone is talented, obviously, when you get to that level. But if you have guys that truly, you know, love the game and, you know, don't want to let the other guys down, it's, it's, uh, it goes a long way. So you're on, you're, you're on the field. David Tyree makes that catch on his helmet. What was the first thought that came to your mind? You know what? I was that whole play was a blur. And if if you look at, I get a lot of heat because I didn't block anyone, and we could have a debate about, you know, whose fault that was. Um, yeah, but I just wanted to sprint down the field immediately because, you know, we're taught, you know, if there's a questionable call, you go down and you get the next playoff. So, you know, I ran as fast as I could, and I honestly I didn't see the replay of the play until I got back to the hotel. 
that's that was an awesome catch. We were I was in my dorm room. We were going we were going nuts. Yeah. Um, so I, my next question was, and I think you already answered it. Do you bring the rings out for special occasions only? I do, I do. I bring them out. Um, listen, they're not comfortable to wear. I'm not a jewelry guy. You know, I wear my wedding ring and maybe a watch every now and again, and that's it. But uh, you know, I wear them at events where I think people will want to see them, uh, especially giant fans. You know, I, I feel that uh, it's a special moment that we can share, and I can talk about the games with them. Very cool. So last year you were inducted into the Giants Ring of Honor, one of 39 Giants ever. What does it feel like to be honored in that capacity? You know, now I've had time to reflect on it, but at the time it was very surreal. You know, I, I felt that, uh, you know, I was a guy who had just retired, a guy that, you know, sometimes I wake up in the morning and I feel like I can still play. So, yeah. you know, but for me to be, uh, my name to be up there with, with those names that are up there and be up there forever, um, you know, it still is overwhelming to think about. And uh, every time I walk in there and look up and see it, you know, I get chills and it's, it's uh, very, very cool. Well, now you're going to see your name next to Tom Coughlin's name. Your father-in-law. Does that make it extra special? Yeah, I, I mean, it does. Every, every name from that era that goes up there, because yeah. I, I definitely think that was, uh, you know, a tremendous group of guys and, and led by, you know, a Hall of Fame coach and, and just be one of many honors that he gets. And uh, the day that he got that message from the that told the Giants told him he was going in the ring of honor, that's what I said, just the first of many, because uh, I'm sure there'll be a lot of honors he'll receive, and, and rightfully so, you know, just to... Uh, a great coach and a better man, and uh, you know, proud to say I'm the son-in-law. Well, with a very strong family uh, dynamic too. All 11 grandchildren showed up to the final game uh, wearing, you know, Coughlin's crew sweatshirts. How important is the family dynamic um, between you know the Coughlins and you now? Uh, you know, very very tight family. Um, you know, when you talk about the football aspect of it, you know, um, that's the world they only know you know that as you know, my wife grew up in that where uh she knows how her dad would be a monday after a win or a loss and uh more importantly knew how to deal with me as i became a player in the nfl and you know the, the moods i would go through and how tough the game is physically on me and, and emotionally so um you know to have her support throughout my career was great but to be in that family such a tight family and uh you know, really a family that loved, you know, having him on the sideline and, and uh, you know, just cheering on his teams. This will be a, uh, I'm thinking a difficult fall, you know, with not him being involved in the game. But uh, at the same time, the lack, there'll be less stress. You know, we won't be so stressed out every Sunday for a game. Was there ever a football disagreement in a personal setting between you and him? Like at a barbecue, you're like talking about something and you disagree. You know what? No. Um... We most we rarely talked about football, um, and if we did, you know, the funny part is that I think we see eye to eye on how the game should be played and how guys should conduct themselves, and yeah. and uh, so therefore there really wouldn't be much room for an argument, you know. Um, so no, there wasn't. So what was your favorite? Because um, we've heard Eli Manning yell out a lot of cold words at the at the line of scrimmage. Um, I've heard red alert. Hey, what is that? What does red alert mean? It's just, you know. Waggle. I don't, I don't think I've heard the word waggle no, from, me, from Eli, but red alert, alert is just changing the play. You know, the award, you heard the word alert. Obviously, everyone in any setting will perk up and, yeah. and pay attention. So that's just, it's no different on the football field. When the, when the word alert comes out, you know, you know that there's a change to be made. So what was your favorite code word through the years, 10 years playing? I don't know. I mean, we've used, you know, food. Taco, burrito, uh, you know, uh, 
there's a lot of calls. You know, honestly, some a lot of the calls mean the same thing. You know, but a lot of verbiage in the game of football. And just to wrap up now, um, do you keep in touch with any of your players, your former players from the, the Super Bowl teams? Uh, yeah, actually, I, I'm mostly linemen. You know, I. Richie Soybert and Sean O'Hara, I, I still speak with, and uh, you know, Eli playing. It's funny, there are very few names that I still played with that are still with the Giants. So Eli and, and Zach Diossi, I'll, I'll, I'll touch base with. But, uh, you know, it's always fun when they have the alumni events and we get back together because then that's where all the, you know, the stories are shared. Yeah, so Eli Manning, just because you touched on him, he said the Giants are definitely a playoff team this year. Have you been following them, and what is your opinion? I'll be honest with you, I haven't been following them. This has been the first, and it's probably because Coach Coughlin not being there that, uh, you know, I'm taking a year off. But I have not followed them. Um, but I, I'll always take the approach that as long as Eli is the quarterback, they're a playoff team. You know, and that's just because the, I know who he is and what kind of player he is and the confidence I have in him. So, all right, Danielle McCartney with Chris Snee from the Yogi Berra Museum. There you go. All right, yeah, thanks. thank you. Thanks. thanks. All right, so that was uh, myself. And Chris Snee, uh, so he obviously gives you a um, first-hand perspective into the Giants organization, um, starting with himself, a Super Bowl winner, to the coach, his father-in-law. And we looked into a little bit into the family life, too. Now, um, I just saw this interesting tweet from uh, Dennis Wozniak, Wozak Jr. Uh, he's, he, he writes for the Jets. With Petty to start today. The Jets have had 29 different starting quarterbacks since Namath's last game in 1976. And he went on to list all of them. (laughs) And yet, you wonder why the Jets have had no stability. It starts at the quarterback position. Starts at the quarterback position. Okay, so now the Giants are not on today. The Giants uh, will be taking on the Bengals on Monday Night Football. That's at 8.30 Eastern Time on ESPN. Keys for the Giants game today. Number one, Giants need to tighten up their coverage on A.J. Green. A.J. Green is the number one wide receiver for the Bengals. Janoris Jenkins will probably be covering him, although Eli Apple will play. Little back. Uh, let's backtrack here. Jenkins and Green faced each other in college. Jenkins was a Florida Gator. Green was a Georgia Bulldog. Jenkins says, quote, I remember the first play of the game in the Florida-Georgia game. They threw him a hitch, and I got it. I picked him off for the first play of the game. It was my biggest memory, end quote. Now, Green said about Jenkins, quote, he's fast, athletic, and is very quick. That's everything you want in a corner. He's a great corner. I played him in college, so I know what he's capable of, and I know he's playing well, end quote. Now, A.J. Green has 59 receptions for 896 yards and three touchdowns this season. He's averaging 15.2 yards per carry and 112 yards per game. If the Giants can contain him, they also have to look for tight end Tyler Eifert. And that's a cause for concern because the Giants, in, in my opinion, cannot cover the tight end position. And uh, breaking news, Ryan Fitzpatrick is active and will be the number two quarterback today. Inactives for the Jets, Christian Hackenberg, Devin Smith, Marcus Williams, Brandon Shell, Nick Mangold, yes, he is out, Josh Martin, and Bruce Carter. Okay, so back to the Giants now. Number two, 
way or the number two key for the Giants to win this game is going to be reduce the explosive plays. The Bengals are fifth in the league in explosive plays, we'll say. And I'm judging that by 20 yards or more plays. The Bengals have 33 passes for 20, 20 yards or more this season. So they're tied for fifth in the league in big plays. But the Giants have given up the big plays. They've allowed a season-high five passes for 25 yards or more last week, just in one week, versus the Eagles. Ben McAdoo says, quote, The details, execution, and consistency need to improve there. Set the tone in the first series of the second half, end quote. The third way the Giants are going to win the game today is if they capitalize on turnovers. It's been a tale of, uh, we'll say, two Giants this season. First three or so games, the, the defense was not doing a good job. But since then, the Giants have had six interceptions in the last two games. And Landon Collins is all over the place for the Giants' defense. He's been uh, their defensive MVP, if I go out and say that, this season. Uh, the offense delivered with 4.22 points after takeaways, fourth best in the league. And now Eli Manning says, that was a big emphasis, to try and get off to a fast start. The defense did a great job in getting turnovers, and the offense capitalizing on that, end quote. And finally, three keys for the Bengals. Someone just said on, on uh, Periscope that A.J. Green is a beast. He'll exploit the Giants' secondary. I don't know, Janoris Jenkins it has been surprising for me. Uh, so I think it won't be as uh, exploit- exploitive uh, as you say. I think well, they'll do a good job, especially with the safety help underneath and Landon Collins. I think they'll be okay. I'm more concerned about Tyler Eifert for the Giants. Now, three ways the Bengals are going to win this game. Number one, they're going to put pressure on Eli Manning and his receivers. 100%. Uh, Manning's been only, been only been sacked. We, we talked about this last week, but Manning's only been sacked 11 times this entire season. And that's attributed to his short passes and, and, and that, sure. However, uh, he's only been dropped 11 times. I think that would. I think that is the least amount of sacks allowed in the entire NFL. So the Bengals need to put pressure on him. They need to close the pocket, and they need to force him to deliver the ball earlier than he wants to. The Bengals also need to capitalize in the red zone. The Giants are first red zone defense in the NFL. Opponents only score 39% of the time in the red zone. That's really good. Actually, it's first. The Seahawks are next at 44%. Cincinnati, though, has been hot in the red zone the past three weeks. Their red zone percentage, 70%. And that's probably due to Tyler Eifert returning to their lineup. He's Dalton's favorite target in the red zone. The Giants need to get underneath it and, and, and neutralize him there, for sure, in the, uh, in the red zone. Now, third way the Bengals are going to win this game is to take advantage of the poor running game in the Giants. And you can't let them get hot. The Giants have the worst running game in the entire NFL. They average 3.2 yards per carry and only 68.2 yards a game. The Bengals, though, are 23rd in the league, almost almost towards the bottom third in stopping the run. But then again, you look at Justin Pugh, Giants offensive lineman, one of their best, if not their best, He's going to be out Monday night. So the Bengals need to use that to their advantage. They need to 
crashed the line of scrimmage in terms of stopping the run and in terms of forcing Eli Manning to wing the ball earlier than he, than he, than he intends to. And by doing that, they're going to force some turnovers for sure. Okay, and I'm going to leave you today. It's a little bit early, but that's okay. I'll get home in time to watch a jet game. I'm going to leave you today with um, an interview I had with Lori Hernandez. She's the uh, gold and silver medal winning gymnast, current Dancing with the Stars contestant. Uh, this was back in on September 5th I did this interview. It's only three minutes. Uh, she was great. I said back in September she was the front runner to win, and I think there 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 aren't many people left on Dancing with the Stars, and uh, she is still one of them. So this is me with Lori Hernandez taking your final final wrap up questions for Jets and Giants this weekend. Any other NFL teams you have questions for? Shoot me over. Okay, I'm Danielle McCarran here at Yankee Stadium with Olympic gold medalist and part of the Fab Five, Lori Hernandez. Final five. The final five. <laughs> um, this is really great that the Yankees honored you today uh, prior to the game. What was that like being on the field with them? That was awesome. I think every kid kind of grows up to baseball, and this is just such a great experience to be here. Now, were you a Yankee fan growing up in Old Bridge? Uh, well, both Yankee and Mets. I really like Syndergaard, and I really like CC Sabathia. So, I don't know. <laughs> were you able to meet any of those guys yet? Um, I was able to meet Syndergaard, and I haven't met any players yet. Okay. So there was no Syndergaard, like, and you met him? He's really tall. tall. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I saw the picture you took with him. It's, like, two heights. And yeah. It's crazy different. Now, being a Jersey girl, being on the world stage of the Olympics, what is that like for you? Um, that's awesome. I mean, it's a really crazy experience. No one can really prepare you for that. So I was definitely in awe when I first walked into the arena, but... I got pretty comfortable quick, and it was just a great experience overall. So you guys seemed like you had a lot of team chemistry, the five of you guys. Was that what it was behind the scenes, as what we had saw, seen on camera? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we created such a big bond between all of us that it was just a lot of teamwork going on, and we're there for each other. So um, having that is really important when things are really stressful. So I feel like that's why we're so successful. So what was better, winning the gold medal or meeting Zach Efron? <laughs> I'm gonna have to say winning a medal. <laughs> so what was he like when he walked into that room? You guys were all shocked. No one knew. Yeah, no one knew. I mean, we thought that Ahoda might have been like pulling a prank on us when she said that, you know, oh maybe he might be coming, and we were like, no, you're lying. Stop playing around. Yeah. And then he walked in, and it was just we were ready for it. <laughs> By the looks of it, <laughs> didn't look like it. Now yeah. your your next step of your journey, obviously you're still training for the USA Olympics in Tokyo. You're gonna be there. Um, well, cross your fingers, but um, they decide that year who's going to the Olympics, so. Okay, I'm, I'm sure you will be. Now, you're taking your next step of your journey going to now um, Dancing with the Stars. Yes. I, my money is on you to win, and I've come out of oh, already. So what have you been doing to prepare for that? Um, well, I mean, we already started training, so that's good. I'm just, I'm so excited. And you have a good, what, what, what's your partner's name? His name's Val. Val, um, Max's brother, right? Yeah. And he's one of the better ones. Are you excited <laughs> to be working with him? Yeah, he's awesome. Super patient, super kind, so. Are you teaching him any, anything? Um, I'm hoping to teach him, like, a backhand spring or something towards the end. So, uh, if I could teach him a backhand spring, then maybe he'll teach me how to foxtrot. There you go. That's a good trade-off, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you actually threw out the first pitch at the Met game. Yes. Was I it yesterday? Um, two days, two days ago. ago. Now, you did a backhand spring, too. Side aerial, yeah. Yeah. What was it? <laughs> a side aerial, like no hand to cartwheel. So she's the gymnast, <laughs> not me. <laughs> but how cool was that? It was awesome. Really cool experience.
I'm here with Lori Hernandez, and this was uh, something I wasn't planning on today. This was <laughs> quite a great surprise. So thank you very much for your time, and, uh, and good luck. Congratulations. So that was myself and Lori Hernandez. Now, uh, I realized as that was playing that I forgot to give a score of the Giants game. Let me think. I think the Bengals are going to beat the Giants. 31-21. Lock it in. Lock it in. Beep, beep, beep. The Bengals are going to beat the Giants. 31-21. Sorry, Giants fans. Tyler Eifert is going to have a huge game. Sorry to break the news. All right, so that's kind of going to do it. If you guys have any more questions, last minute, shoot them over. I didn't get any during that last interview. And that might do it for today's episode of 60 Minute Overtime. You guys can find my work. Let me shout them out. I have to write it down. Someone said I like that news. You must be a Bengals fan. <laughs> must live in Cincinnati. Um, shout out my work here, www.prosportsrundown.com. That is my site. I am the only contributor to it. It's the way I like it. Uh, my Periscope, you guys are watching right now. Or Tyler Eifert, yeah. Uh, Periscope is at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Twitter, same thing, at Coach McCartan. Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. Uh, YouTube, search Coach Space McCartan. SoundCloud.com slash Coach McCartan. And my iTunes podcast, official. So anything I upload, which I'll upload this as soon as I go home, it'll go directly to your phone. You don't have to search for it. It just gets delivered to you. <laughs> Talk about instant gratification. So Jets fans, let's look for Bryce Petty to have a big game today. Hopefully he does. And he shuts all the critics up. That would be nice. <laughs> all right, so without any further questions, I don't see anything else coming through. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for listening. Thanks for spending your 50 minutes with me today. 50-minute overtime. Enjoy your football Sunday. Giant fans, enjoy your Monday night football. And uh, see you guys next week, 11 o'clock. Same time, same place. Follow me on Twitter, at Coach McCartan. That's at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. To find my work on YouTube and SoundCloud, search, with no spaces, Coach McCartan. Subscribe yourself so you don't have trouble finding it in the future. That's it for today, everybody. Listen live next Sunday. 1.30 to 2.30 p.m.